Hey guys, it's Denver here and welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today, I want to speak about something which is quite relevant, um, especially during this time of the year, and that is contest prep. So physique competitions, some people call it physique sports, uh, but you know, you've got your bikini, your fitness, your bodybuilding, your physique, um, men's fitness as well, classic bodybuilding, so many different divisions and federations out there these days. And obviously, there is a lot of interest in it, Uh, especially now, like with social media, there are a lot more bodybuilders now than there was 10, 15 years ago. And to be honest, one of the reasons why I got into bodybuilding, lifting weights and having that kind of lifestyle is because when I started, it was not very common at all. It was something different and I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to do everything the same as everybody else. I was already... Uh, playing sports, playing soccer, playing basketball, touch football, doing sprinting on a like 100 meter sprint track, stuff like that. And, um, you know, playing sports was normal. Lifting weights was only really done to get better at the sports that we played. It wasn't really a goal to lift weights to look a certain way. And it definitely wasn't a goal to lift weights to look a certain way to then compete with other people who do that for a trophy or a medal. So obviously bodybuilding has been around for way longer than I have, but it wasn't as popular back then, um, in 2003, 2004, 2005, compared to now. And there are a few bodybuilders here on the Gold Coast who I know personally who did compete back then, actually, and I saw them compete, which was pretty awesome. And they're still around competing these days. But in the grand scheme of things, social media has really changed the game. And there are a lot more, like I said before, federations and divisions, and everybody wants to compete. But competing is not easy. The idea of competing is one thing. Actually going through and doing it is a completely different story. And I've worked with countless people who want to compete at some point in their life. That is a long-term goal for almost everybody that comes to me. Um, And then obviously there's a small portion of those people who do actually push through and want to compete and commit to that level. And some of them actually quit because it is quite a tough task. And that doesn't take away from the fact that they've got other things in life that are more important. Everybody does. Bodybuilding and physique competitions will never be the number one priority in your life long-term forever. Like you can't do that. There are other things in life that matter. Uh, But people who do well tend to do the best in regards to juggling a lot of different priorities and um, dealing with the downfalls that come with contest prep. And, uh, you know, many, many weeks of dieting, they push through the struggle and they make it to the, to the, to the finish line and they do really well. So a lot of people have, you know, all intentions to compete and think it's a great idea, but then probably less than half of those people actually commit to it. And then not all of those people who commit actually finish it because it is quite a challenge. So if we can find ways to make it a little bit more, uh, comfortable if possible, or just find ways to do it better, then I think everybody wins. So having a podcast, which is going to outline some, I guess, top tips for contest prep is a really good way for people who are interested in competing to get a better idea on how to go about things early on. And then also those who are currently in a contest prep to kind of like tick the boxes as they go through and realize that they are doing everything they can already, or they can do things better to get the results that they want in regards to body fat reduction. End of the day, contest prep has three goals in my opinion. 
One is to get as lean as necessary for your division. For, for some people that's, you know, just have an outline of your abs and that doesn't require a lot of, um, that, that, that doesn't require a very low body fat percentage. For other people, they want shredded glutes in a bodybuilding division and that requires a lot greater fat loss. Um, so maybe that requires a longer contest prep period um, or just a deeper deficit and more work getting put in to ensure that, you know, they get to the condition that they require. So one um, goal of contest prep is to get as lean as you need to, meaning fat loss is the focus. Second goal of contest prep is to maintain as much muscle and lean mass as you can. If you can build some during your prep, even better. And the third goal of contest prep is to not get injured. Now, I tell this to people all the time, but if you get injured, your chances of dropping body fat and maintaining muscle are going to be um, diminished or reduced. Um, at the same time, if you focus on fat loss only and you don't focus on maintaining muscle, then you could lose some lean mass at the same time as well. Um, and if you only focus on maintaining as much muscle as you can, you may not get lean enough and look the part for your division. So you do have to consider all three of these things and juggle them well, because yes, we want to maintain as much muscle as we can or build some if we can. If you've got weak muscle groups that need to come up, it is possible that they will come up in a prep. Um, at the same time, we can't prioritize muscle gain when you have to drop X amount of body fat, which is a lot of weight on the scale. And in the grand scheme of things, we have to be healthy when we train. So we can't just go into the gym and train like crazy and, you know, kill yourself every session because the chance of not recovering and getting injured is much greater. And then, you know, your prep is going to really suck if you're injured. Trust me, I've been injured before during a contest prep and it, you know, I was 10 weeks out and because of my injury, I couldn't do any back squats, bent over rows, overhead press, bench press was a struggle, deadlifts, obviously not. Um, it was a lower back injury that I had and calories had to go down my general movement had to go up in a uh, safe way. So doing a lot of machine work and a lot of cardio as well, like just walking, it was not fun at all. Um, so you don't want to be that person. Anyways, let's get on with it. So my top tips for contest prep. Tip number one. The first tip is to be ready early. Now, a lot of people come to me. I had somebody actually contact me just yesterday and they want to compete in um, the physique competition. Their starting position right now is that, is that of someone who needs to actually lose a fair amount of body weight just to be in a healthy weight range or a healthy body fat percentage before they can start to consider competitions. Now, obviously this person wants to compete next year, which is obviously the smartest thing to do because it does take a long time to get your body into the, to the right shape, the right condition. But this person has to actually start the prep now, not the contest prep, but the fat loss phase to get their body to a lower healthy body fat percentage, maintain that for a while, improve their health markers, and then start to think about contest prep. So really you have to be ready early. People say to me, hey, I want to compete. You know, I will contact you when I'm 20 weeks out and we can work together. I need you to contact me now. We need to get started as soon as possible. We need to make sure that your off season is set up in a well-designed manner, your training is on point, you're recovering from your training, you're taking the right supplements or maybe not wasting your money on supplements that don't work. Um, you know, your cardio isn't too crazy, your carbs aren't too low or calories aren't too low and you're doing things 
in a very productive manner. If you come to me when you're 20 weeks out and you've got no glutes, no hamstrings, and no shoulders, and you want to be a, a bikini competitor, then building your physique is going to be tough in that 20-week period. We can do the best we can, but if fat loss is something you have to consider as well, then you're trying to do two different tasks. You're trying to build some lean mass whilst you're also trying to drop body fat. And that can happen for short periods of times or, you know, depending on the circumstances or the person, uh, you know, you can see some simultaneous um, progression in that manner, but chances of doing that is on the low end across a 20-week prep. So you're not going to see your glutes growing week to week for 20 weeks whilst you're also seeing your waist come in weeks to week um, at the same time. It's very rare for that to happen over a longer period of time unless you are new to lifting weights and uh, you know, you're know you already pretty lean to start with. But overall, you don't wanna start a prep 20 weeks out or 12 weeks out or 13 weeks out. You want this to be your lifestyle. I was just saying to someone today actually that if you're gonna compete and you wanna be doing this, like you wanna be in shape, you want people to assume that you're competing um, or you're someone that competes already in your off season all the time. Walk around like you're someone that looks like, walk around looking like you're someone who competes rather than saying, hey, I'm really, really heavy right now. So I'm going to start a contest prep to get myself in shape. That's not a smart matter. So you want to be ready early. I typically say like, if you can be like stage ready before the competition, then you can increase your calories. You can include higher carb days or refeeds, diet breaks, stuff like that. And actually enjoy the journey a little bit more um, and have less stress on your body overall. So one thing I like to um, to do in that regard is to stay within 10 to 15% of your assumed uh, goal body weight for competition. So let's just say that you know that you're going to get on stage or you have been on stage before and you were around 85 kilos shredded, crazy glutes, hamstrings, everything was exactly how you wanted it to be. Adding 10% total body weight to that would be a good place to be in your off season, uh, in your improvement season where you're trying to build some lean mass and improve your body and stay healthy as well. Um, so then it's actually easier to diet down for your next prep. So if you're 85 kilos on stage, adding 10% to that, you'd be around 93 something or 94 kilos um, stage weight, uh, sorry, 94 kilos in your off season. And you know, you're know you within 10% of that striking range to be shredded for that competition. If your off season's a bit longer, maybe it's two years instead of a year or so, then you could go up to 15%. So maybe you'll sit around 98 or 99 kilos in the off season, trying to recover well, put on some lean mass, have a healthy metabolic rate, et cetera, et cetera, good sleep, low stress. And then when you diet down for your next competition, again, you're going to be in a better place. So if you're not within 10 to 15% um, of your total body weight target, then maybe you need to start a prep before your prep and get leaner, get your body to a healthy place first. Then you start to consider, hey, maybe 20 weeks out, I'll start to diet down. Because the people who do really well are those who are actually in really good shape already. And they're looking to refine and optimize their approach with training and nutrition to maximize fat loss, maintain lean mass, not get injured, recover well, and win the damn show. And that's what it's all about. So like I'm in a contest prep phase right now. I'm going to compete next year in October, September, whatever it might be, depending on the federation that I choose. 
And, you know, right now is my off season and I am sitting at 100 kilos. And that is my top end. I won't go over that. Maybe I'll go 101 on the top end max. And a few weeks from now, I'll pull back my food intake, uh, shave off some body fat a little bit, and then get back into my gaining phase. For the next six months or more, maybe, it's going to be all about making gains. Because when I get on stage, when I diet down, when I focus on fat loss for 20 weeks or whatever it might be, um, towards the middle of next year, the opportunity to build muscle is over. So I have to do that right now. I've got to really focus on that right now and put all the work in. But at the same time, not just get slop- sloppy or fat or put on a bunch of weight that is meaningless because adding more body fat just requires more weeks of dieting to get it all off. But let's not go into a tangent with that. Just remember, be ready early. If you're interested in contest prep and you are way out of shape right now, your goal is to compete You know, next year, 12 months from now, or even further on, you know, it's a long-term goal. Get leaner, get to a healthy body fat percentage, get to a level where people think you're going to compete anyways, and then you can start thinking about getting on stage or prepping towards getting on stage. The next tip I have for you guys is to learn flexible dieting. Now, flexible dieting is amazing because you can actually fit in fun foods into your diet. You're not going to sit there and think, wow, I really wish I could eat peanut butter for the next 16 weeks or 20 weeks or whatever it might be, Uh, but I can't. So I'm just going to hold out for this amount of time and as soon as this competition's over I'm just going to eat all the Nutella I can think of and get into my mouth because I'm going to be so deprived and so hungry and uh, depleted and you know I'm just going to buy everything I can and stock up my shelves in the pantry with chocolates and peanut butter and whatever else I'm lacking and missing out on during this prep so then I can you know look forward to it after the competition and you know eat myself silly and regain all this weight that I just lost in a couple of days or weeks because I've deprived myself for so long. That happens all the time and it's unnecessary. So if you can learn how to flexible diet, track foods into your macros, you can literally buy five chocolate bars today at the shops, right? Normal size, Mars bars, Snickers, Bounties, whatever it might be. And you could factor in one of those bars every day. For your contest in your contest prep until you get to a point where calories are really low you have to think about food quality a bit more and you know lean towards higher food volume at the same time you can literally do a contest prep and fit in a chocolate every day and not stress about it because if it's your macros within your calories you're eating enough fruits and vegetables every day and you feel fine you're in a calorie deficit you're doing everything you need to do i did that before i've done that more than once and, you know, it feels good. It gets to a certain point where you kind of get over it and you're like, I just want to eat healthy food. That happens really often, actually, when it comes to flexible dieting. So if you're someone who does contest prep, you eat clean only and you don't really know any other way to do it. And then you want to have cheat days or you just can't wait for the competition to be done or the fat loss phase to be done. So then you can go ahead and eat everything in sight. You really need to learn flexible dieting. In addition to that flexible dieting, I think... I kind of mentioned it already, you can increase your food volume. So if you learn more about different foods, you can figure out the nutrient content of all the different foods out there and you can realize that sweet potato is really filling and it's got fewer calories than rice, you know, at equal weights or maybe pumpkin is actually lower calorie than sweet potatoes. So you're going to switch over to that at some point in your prep or just whenever you're feeling really hungry. And then maybe at another point you decide that you want to have more zucchini or you want to make cauliflower rice or something like that because... You know, again, you're trying to increase your food volume, but still stick to your calories. So learning how to like increase your food volume day to day as you need it, learning how to fit in fun foods day to day as you need it, it's going to remove 
cravings. Now you cannot remove hunger. You're going to be hungry regardless of how much food volume you have. You're going to be hungry regardless of how many um, fun foods you consume. You know, breaking cravings doesn't break hunger. You can literally eat one little piece of all your favorite foods, fit them into your macros and still be hungry and still have the same um, negative effects around that and still have low energy and you know not perform well or whatever it might be so there are still going to be be downsides for everybody whether you do flexible dieting or not but why not reduce or minimize those downsides by learning how to track your food how to swap foods out how to be able to eat a relatively normal meal within a social setting or environment and you know how to actually make prep enjoyable make it like it's an off season you just change the, the measurements of the foods to suit the macro changes based on the body compositions you're expecting to reach. So definitely learn flexible dieting. Another one, and I'm speaking kind of fast on this podcast today, I think, because there's no way I'm going to do this in 20 minutes. Like this is definitely going to be a longer podcast. So sorry about that in advance, but I think the content's worth sharing. So I'm just going to keep going with it. Tip number three would be to practice your posing early, weekly, whatever it might be, you need to get onto your posing practice. I had a client compete last year for the first time. He looked sensational. He came first in his division. Posing wasn't great, but his physique was on point. Um, Didn't really have enough time. It was a last minute decision to compete. Didn't really have enough time to really fine tune the posing. And even if he did, um, you know, with me or by himself or whatever it might have been, the fact that it was his first competition, he still had a lot of nerves and stuff like that, which, you know, I think he's got past now, but, you know, your first competition is always going to be the hardest regardless, but if you can nail your posing from the start, you're going to do so much better, and this dude came first in his division in the uh, overalls, I believe it was, or maybe it was another open division, he came second, he had the best looking physique on stage, however, he did not pose the best, and he knows that too. At the same time, back my last competition in 2016, um, I was on the overall stage with some of the best bodybuilders in Australia, natural bodybuilders in Australia, and the person who won the competition had the best posing on the day, without a doubt. And I know for a fact that he was practicing his posing all the time because he knew what he was up against. He knew that everybody was going to put the work in. Everybody was going to bring their best physique. Everybody knows how to diet. They have evidence-based methods around training and nutrition and supplementation and everything. So if you're going to have... A position where everyone's putting in equal work in the gym, in the kitchen, with their recovery, etc. Then you're going to do the things you can to, you know, stand out still, and that's going to be posing practice as well as having better genetics, I guess, if you have a different structured physique. Um, but posing practice is something that anybody can do, and you know, if you watch videos of other people posing, you can get a better idea of what might suit you best. I know that's what I did when I started bodybuilding. I watched other people compete saw someone that I thought had a really good structure with their physique. I really liked how they posed. So I copied their posing, practiced it every day for a little while until it became normal to me. And I still pose the same way today. And that person is actually one of the best natural bodybuilders in Australia. And uh, if he gets back on stage again, no doubt he'll probably win his competitions all over again. So, you know, learn from the best, I would say, and also film yourself. If you can film yourself posing without a mirror, watch it back, it gives you a better idea of what you actually look like because there are no mirrors when you are on stage in front of all these people and the judges as well. So film yourself, have a look at it, review it, film again, 
same deal. Every single week, if you're doing check-ins with yourself or your coach or whatever it might be, you should be doing posing practice as well. You should be filming that. You should be reviewing it, assessing it, adjusting things, and so forth. Um, if you can, an even better thing to do is to do your posing practice or progressively get to a point where you're doing your posing practice in public. So even if it's in the gym in front of a bunch of different people who think that you're an idiot and uh, this um, podcast is G-rated, so I can't say any other word besides idiot, I guess. But, um, you know, if you look like a wanker because you're on at the middle of the gym doing your posing practice, who cares? You have a purpose to do that. So um, go ahead and do that. Get comfortable with people seeing you, uh, you know, general public. People are going to see you anyway. So anyone that talks shit about you, sorry, anyone that speaks bad about you um, <clears throat> practicing your posing in a gym probably watches everything you do on social media anyways, probably thinks really highly of you and probably wishes they could do that too. So that's good to know. But anyways, you want to gain your confidence. You want to pose in public, film yourself. And you want to also increase your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So we talk about tracking your steps all the time to increase your, your movement, your calories burned from moving, doing things that aren't actually weight training um, or planned exercise. And posing practice will definitely increase your NEAT. No different to cleaning your house um, or, you know, making your bed every day or whatever else it might you might do, uh, mow your lawn. You know, that's all movement. That's all burning calories. Calories burnt aren't reserved to just weight training and planned cardio sessions and tracking your steps. So remember that as well. Posing practice will increase your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, leading towards more weight loss potentially. More calories burned in total is what it really does. So make sure you practice your posing as much as you can. The next tip I have for you guys is to implement diet breaks and refeeds. Now, hopefully everybody knows what a diet break and refeed is, but if you don't know it, basically to keep it nice and simple and short, in a dieting phase, we reduce our calories over time to get leaner and leaner. And as our body gets smaller, we require fewer calories to maintain that weight. And we have to eat fewer calories again to get leaner and leaner. And it's a progression of reducing your food intake, increasing your your output uh, for the most part, amongst other things. So when it comes to refeeds, what we're doing is we're bringing carbohydrates back up. Maybe it's one day, maybe it's two days in the week. And essentially, you could call it a high carb day. So you've reduced your calorie intake over weeks and weeks and weeks getting leaner, you're in a calorie deficit, one day of the week, you're eating a lot more carbohydrates to refill and refeed your body with the um, glycogen or carbohydrates that it is lacking because you're in a big deficit. And so generally a refeed is an increase in carbohydrates somewhere close to what you were having at the start of your diet or a bit less now because your body's adapted to a lower intake because your body is smaller at the same time. So a refeed is more carbohydrates. A diet break is more carbohydrates, but over multiple days. So maybe that's over um, seven days. Maybe it's over, you know, five to seven days. So multi multi refeeds, multi day refeeds, are typically going to be one to two days or one to three days. And anything more than that, we call that a diet break. We're just having a break from dieting. Every day you're eating at assumed calorie maintenance, and a refeed is where you just have assumed calorie maintenance for one day of the week, maybe two days. So you want to include these things. Now, this sounds kind of backwards, right? Because you're looking to achieve fat loss over time. You've only got 20 weeks and you need to lose X amount of kilos um, 
by the end of the phase. So you divide that over 20 weeks and you realize how much you have to lose week to week. And if you have a week where you're doing a diet break, you're not losing any weight, you're maintaining your weight. That's kind of taking a step back. But a diet break can really help to reduce your fatigue from dieting and increase your output at the same time. So if you bring more food in, you're naturally going to feel more energized, you're going to sleep better, you're going to reduce your stress, you're going to have better hormonal uh, optimization, I guess you could say, reduce cortisol, reduce fluid retention, and you are going to move more and be more active and potentially not gain any weight at all and potentially still lose some weight as well associated with that fluid weight loss and associated with uh, being more active, being more happy as well. So diet breaks and refeeds are amazing. Definitely recommend that for everybody. At some point in your contest prep, you want to have diet breaks and refeeds. If you're not having those, you probably shouldn't be competing because you probably are dieting really, really hard to reach the goal because it's a last minute prep or you just have too much weight to lose. And you have to go back to my first tip about being ready early. So implement diet breaks and refeeds as best you can. If you have a coach, they can help you with that. Now, I guess some some smaller goals because this podcast has gone on longer than I would like it to is to learn how to handle hunger. Now, there is no way to avoid hunger. We can reduce it as much as we can. We can manage it as much as we can, but it is always going to be there. If you're not going to bed hungry, you're not in a calorie deficit. I don't care who you are, or what you do, how many liters of water, how much diet jelly you have, how many, you know, slim pasta noodles you have, or, you know, if you have five kilos of zucchini and cabbage per day, you are still going to be hungry without a doubt. So if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to be hungry. Now, if you have a shit ton of cabbage or zucchini, they are very, very low calories. So if you're hitting your macros for the day, no matter what you do, hunger is still going to be there. So like I said, we can try to reduce it as much as we can, but it's still going to be there. So there's no one in the world who does contest prep who doesn't feel hungry. Some of the best athletes in the world actually come out and say how hungry they are. They feel like death. It's really tough, etc., etc. And you have to realize if they're the best in the world or best in Australia and they're dealing with these kind of feelings, then chances are you're going to feel like that too and there's no way around it. So complaining about being hungry is okay. It's fair. Everyone in contest prep is going to do that. But also at the same time, everybody in contest prep feels exactly the same way. So they don't really want to hear it. And people who are not doing contest prep don't want to hear it either because it is an extreme goal. So you have to learn how to embrace hunger, deal with it, look for it. You know, in my prep, my last contest prep, I was chasing that feeling of being hungry and feeling like like garbage because when you're at that point, you know you're really shifting in a positive way in regards to how your body composition is or how you look. And, you know, you really want to feel that. And when you start to feel that death, you can kind of say, okay, I'm on the right path. It's not like, oh, man, I feel so bad. How can I make this feel, you know, easier? Maybe I should have a cheat meal or, or a refeed or a diet break. No, you got to learn how to struggle. You need to learn how to deal with that hunger to get the best result possible. So learn how to handle hunger, learn how to embrace it, chase it, look for it. When you get there, then you know you're in the right place and you have to just keep pushing forwards. Another thing to do, and I already spoke about it before, is but track your steps. If you can track your steps during prep, that's a really good way to increase your output, um, stop you from sitting around doing nothing, thinking about food all the time. And it's going to improve, you know, your rate of progress over time. And also at the same time, could reduce the need to lower your food intake or the need to have structured cardio like 
the Stairmaster or sprints if you do sprints or cross trainer, whatever it might be. Like just simply walking, increasing your steps day to day is a great way to improve the rate of fat loss over time or weight loss over time and help the journey in a way that you can actually recover from quite easily. Uh, In addition to that, I would say prioritize your sleep, which is something that people don't really think about too much. Try to keep your stress as low as you can as well. And last but not least is to have a coach. Now, what are the benefits of having a coach? Well, one benefit is, I guess I could say, is that all the information that I've given you today that you've heard from me, you're listening to a coach tell you this kind of stuff. And if you have a coach, you probably know these things already. If you have a coach and you don't know these things, then maybe you need to get a coach who is better suited towards this type of game when it comes to contest prep and fat loss in general. Um, But have a coach to really, you know, have better clarity, have better understanding, have someone basically map things out for you and you just do the work. All you have to do is do as you're told and you get the result. At the same time, you want to learn the process as well. You want to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, You want to know that, you know, your cardio has purpose or, you know, why you're eating this, the foods that have been suggested to you to eat or supplements or whatever. So it's a learning game at the same time. Um, but, you know, if you do your own contest prep, you don't have a coach, you're going to second guess yourself every time you look in the mirror. You might say, I feel really flat today. I need to have a refeed when you don't really and you're slowing down the rate of weight loss or fat loss. You might tell yourself that you deserve a cheat meal and almost nobody deserves a cheat meal because no one knows how to handle themselves when it comes to cheat meals. So it is far better to simply just learn how to do flexible dieting, which a coach can help you with as well. And then you've got that accountability and the support. So no one wants to hear that you're hungry, but maybe you can tell your coach that. No one wants to hear that you're tired and you feel wrecked all the time or your sex drive is you know, horrible and no one wants to hear that, but maybe your coach can hear it. You know, having someone to you know, support you along the way and deal with your mental um, ups and downs, then, you know, a coach isn't going to really want to hear that kind of stuff because to some people coaching is about, you know, making the plan around training, nutrition and supplementation and cardio, whatever else, and assessing your physique. But at the same time, there is going to be some behavior coaching, you know, involved and quite necessary. And, you know, a coach is going to take that responsibility for you. So, you know, that is pretty much it, I guess, for my top tips for contest prep. We're at 30 minutes, so I'm out. But if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. Go to the link, hit the email option, and email me. I really appreciate that people share this podcast um, on their Instagram stories or whatever it might be. I obviously appreciate when people message me and ask me questions about things that I discuss on my podcast or whatever, or you know, inquire with coach coaching with me as well but at the same time if you could please email me instead that would be amazing i just know that i'd get to you sooner that way and um my email is on my instagram anyways have a great day thank you for listening and um i'll speak to you guys soon